0: podcast one production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringoudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better.
1: Here we are for another episode of The Wellness Collective, Cecilia. Hello, Nat
0: Kringoudis. How are you? I'm very well and I'm glad you asked me because no one's asked me today and I
1: appreciate that you always do. Of course. Well, we are. I need to look polite to the listeners. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm glad that you don't actually care. I do. You care. just want to look so, polite hang on. to Here, the what listeners. What we're supposed to do
1: is say, "But how are you really?" Cecilia? Thank you. Thank yes. you.
0: I'm all right. Are I've, you living your best life today? I think so. You know, I don't know if I was like this before I had children, but sometimes I look at what I have achieved in a day, and I'm like, the variety
1: is really quite impressive. It's quite laughable, actually. I think if, if some people actually slot themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Especially like a twenty-four-year-old. Not offence to the twenty-four-year-olds, but you you become this amazing multitasker once you have children. Like, well, really. I think also too. I don't have a full-time job, therefore every day is completely different. You do have a full-time job, you have
0: a family. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like going to an office at nine o'clock oh. and leaving at five o'clock, so every day <laughs> is completely different. Like today, I started off by yelling at my children to get to school. That's always a good way to start the day. Mm. Then I had kitchen duty at the school, which oh is gosh. a bunch of nine-year-old cooking. Oh, So no. they had knives. I was trying to supervise children chopping carrots and sweet potatoes, like hard things. <sighs> and I was like, I'm just going to breathe through this because <laughs> their lives are at stake, but I'm going to trust that they're going to keep their fingers far away.
1: As possible. From the blade as oh possible. And I'm just going to lead into this. Where is the level of anxiety at right about now? It was reasonably high. Wow. We have a guest in today and we want to talk about exactly that, anxiety. <laughs> do you like what I did there? I loved what Thank you Thank you so much.
2: We can actually let you introduce yourself. I'm Cass Dunn, a psychologist, mindfulness teacher, host of the Crappy to Happy podcast here on Podcast One. amazing. Yes, we've just,
1: we're all podcast one today. It's so lovely. Thank oh, you for joining us today. Pleasure to be There's here. There's so many things that we could cover with you and, well, people obviously can go over and have a listen to your podcast, but we want to talk about anxiety today mm. because, well... Unbelievably, we've never
2: dedicated an episode just to anxiety. It's such a huge issue.
0: Maybe right. that's why. <laughs> we got anxious
1: about got anxious the size of, of it.
2: <laughs> it is the most common uh, kind of mental health issues faced by people. It affects a lot of people. So,
1: can I ask the question then? We hear the term anxiety mm. and I use it in the clinic all the time. Obviously, mm. people talk about it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until truly maybe two months ago, I identified with how I was feeling and had been feeling for a long time. And I'm like, actually, I'm pretty
2: <laughs> sure this is anxiety and I've just never <laughs> given it a label. That's so interesting that you say that. I was going to say, I think there's a lot of people who experience anxiety anxiety. First of all, I think a lot of people use the word just as a general term for stress, worried, Mm -hmm. busy, a bit anxious, a bit nervous about something. But I also think perhaps for that reason, a lot of people who really are experiencing anxiety don't necessarily identify it readily or very quickly. How do we identify it? What is anxiety then? Well, from our perspective with our little DSM of, you know, which is the Manual, the Bible of clinical disorders, which we won't even go into. That it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, but you know, it's very, it's a range of symptoms, including things like um, a lot of worry. You know, a lot of worrying, a lot of uh, general agitation, restlessness, feeling keyed up, on edge. Um, you know, so there's physical symptoms as well as these preoccupation with what might go wrong. Mm. Um, But to get a diagnosis, I guess, for anything as a psychologist, it's like, well, how much is it impacting your ability to function day to day? Like how much headspace is it taking up? Is it stopping you from living your life, living your best life? (laughs) You know, if you are feeling so anxious that you are avoiding places, avoiding people, really spending a lot of time in your head about stuff, because you know, obviously people getting anxious about a lot of different things and there's social anxiety and there's phobias and there's things like OCD. But in terms of generalised anxiety disorder, which is just general worry about a lot of things a lot of the time, um, how much is that impacting your ability to function and live mm. your life? It's so interesting because trying to put that you know,
0: filter on yourself with the way you, you're feeling. Like we all have so many pressures in our lives that it's very easy, maybe for the people around us to go, "Oh, you're very anxious." Or, you know, my my husband said to me the other day, "Your anxiety levels are pretty crazy right now." And I was like, "Yeah, but we've just been on holiday, like, and the kids got sick, and there was no sleep, and it was exhausting
2: more than anything else." So I'm like, "Am I? I feel just exhausted." Anxiety is exhausting. Mm. People mm. actually feel really depleted physically when they're anxious because it does churn up such a lot of that nervous energy and our bodies physically kind of tense up as well, you know, Mm. when you're feeling anxious. I think people overlap stress and anxiety. Mm. Um, Stress is like a lot to do and feeling like you maybe can't manage all. you know, feeling like you're stretched. Yeah, stretched and overwhelmed is a a stress sort of thing. Mm. I've got too much to do. Anxiety is more of it's more like a fear, it's more like a threat response. It's more like I'm I'm scared of even if it is, I'm I'm anxious about how I'm gonna do in that meeting. I'm anxious about what those people think of me. I'm anxious about my finances, I'm anxious about my relationship. You know, it's fear more okay. so than just overwhelmed. Busy, overwhelmed. Yeah. Well yeah. oh, that's a good clarification. Yeah.
1: I think it's important to do that though, because and obviously there's somewhere in the middle of that too, where things can we have fall a bit of everything. Too, too
2: much stress will We'll, we'll tip over into anxiety for yes, sure. Yes, yeah,
1: well, and yeah, and then we're in this perpetual state, like you know, <laughs> it's just this whirlwind. It's and it's coming at us from all all angles.
0: It feels like there is an epidemic of anxiety. But um, I was listening to another podcast yesterday, um, and they were it was um, Lee Sales and Annabelle. Crab. Oh, yes, yeah, so that's a great one. Yeah, and they were chatting about. Uh, some statistics about being in your forties apparently is the hardest time of your life when it comes to pressures from I guess family pressures, potentially what's going on in your career, whether you have had a family or not had a family, relationships, what's going on with your parents and their health. It all kind of comes to roost in it, your forties. It does
2: really, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Right. I mean, is that like a really like a hot pot for a anxiety? Hot pot. You know,
2: An anxiety hot pot, is
1: that something that <laughs> Heinz makes? I don't <laughs> think you'd want to buy it off the shelf, would
2: you? Uh, I've not thought about that before, but potentially, yes. I mean, typically that is a time when we've got a lot, you, you know often maybe teenage kids or, or kids in school, as well as parents who are ageing, as well as all of the, the general stuff, you know, still not ready to retire and maybe mortgage not paid off. And so there's a lot going on. Um, a lot of the women that I have seen in my private practice were new mums. And, you know, we talk a lot about postnatal depression, but in a lot of cases it's postnatal anxiety Mm. for young women. Mm. Well, I wonder also,
1: though, and I think, you know, we've definitely identified this with some of the guests we've had on the show, um, Midwife Kath and, you Mm. know, people that we've talked about. Thank you, McKay. The fact that I don't think that there's enough support and Mm -hmm. talking through the birth experience... Um, Even post-birth. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's not enough debriefing, I don't think.
2: No, I would agree.
1: And once upon a time, we didn't have a baby with one or two people in the room. There were probably a lot of people and there was a lot of care and the care was ongoing from the period village of time. when you got home as right, well. Right, exactly. Whereas we don't have that now. No. But I wonder if that's the case there. Then is that the case everywhere? Is that the case with the rest of our life that we don't have these a support next
2: Yeah, we don't have yeah. the village anymore. Yeah, we I think so. Mm. I think so. We're we're on our own a lot. I mean the quality of our there's a whole other discussion there, but the quality of our social connections has most certainly eroded Uh, We were talking about this um, just a couple of days ago, actually. So, interesting, side note. But back in the 80s, I think, when they asked people, how many people would you feel comfortable to share a problem with? Most people, on average, people would say they had three people that they could confide in if they were dealing with something personal. In the 2000s, I think, I'm making it up now, but basically that number had reduced to one with a full 25% of people saying that they had nobody, oh, that they felt, and that's more about loneliness. That's
1: um, heartbreaking.
2: It is, isn't it? But, but it's
1: so interesting because we're more connected than ever, yet we're so Connected but not. We are <laughs> we're so, not connected. We're not.
2: We are connected digitally, mm. the quantity of connections, but they're all these superficial um you know, passing kind of, you know, like, comment. You're not, yeah, you're tweet. not selecting we're some not random down. person on LinkedIn and telling them you're <laughs> come because you've
1: probably never met them
2: before and they LinkedIn. were just like, oh, I'd like to connect with you. And we're not sitting down and face to face with people and and friendships are the, are they're they voluntary. You know, they're, when you've got, Um, a a marriage, potentially a relationship, you've got kids and you've got work and you've got all these things, then catching up with friends is the thing that gets put off and put down to the bottom of the list because it's considered to be optional, whereas Mm -hmm. those relationships... Indulgent. uh, Exactly, and those relationships are the proven to be the single biggest predictor of your health and happiness into your old age. I'm so glad you brought that up Mm. because I remember when I had uh, my first baby,
0: again, I had no idea what I was doing, had never changed a nappy. That's another sign. How on earth could I get to the point where I had given birth and didn't know how to change a nappy? Like, that's hysterical.
1: (laughs) Well, I I hate to tell you this, but that's your fault.
0: (laughs) But I'd never really been in
1: touch with babies before. Never, but there was never no opted in to s- say, "Let me change that." I didn't have I any never friends with babies, actually, just so just, it was it's never just an Just to option. make you giggle, a friend of ours that when Libby was little had come over and she was about to have her mm. first, and said, oh, "I'll change this because I need to learn how to do it and put the nappy on backwards." Well,
0: there you go. See, I didn't even know how to do it backwards. It's hilarious. <laughs> I had some friends, like a couple that had already had children and they were invaluable with Mm -hmm. advice and support and just, you know, an ear. But the ones that didn't have children were so important to me because they were like just the connection to who I was before. Yes, really. And spending time with them in particular, it was like I've worked this out lately. I was talking to Nat about this the other day. They they filled my battery. Mm. They just, you know, they recharged my battery. And even now I think, you know, having life and kids and all the stuff, sometimes you just go, ugh. But if you've got those friends that you can spend time with or just a conversation on the phone, you do. You feel
2: like you've recharged your batteries and you can go back to the rest of it. I think those friends who don't have kids too, like they're so like not obsessed with kids. Whereas all your mum friends, especially when you've just got babies, all the conversations all about the baby and those people who just couldn't really care less (laughs) 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 kind of nice to have around. Absolutely. I think the other thing is the, that people experience things like perfectionism, Mm. but don't identify that as a form of anxiety. Um, You know, the control freaky, um, you know, got everything under control, micromanagers, don't necessarily recognise that those are all manifestations of anxiety.
1: Actually, when I have patients come into the clinic that are trying to fall pregnant, that's one of the questions I will ask them mm-hmm. is... So are you a control are freak? Are you a perfectionist? Well, because often it's well out... This is out of their control, having yes. a falling pregnant all of a sudden. and they'll, But they'll be the ones that are trying to control the nutrition and the sleep and all of the things, but not still, you know, years later, not falling pregnant. And it's that part of it. It's yes. like, okay, now it's time to actually not do anything. Let's just not do anything at all. Um, and that's, that's really uncomfortable it's for people. So uncomfortable. But, <laughs> yeah, it's where we've got to get them to that point. And it just goes to show that everybody's different, really. It's just this, you've got to work out your way, not everyone else's way but your way, and that can be hard. It can. I think with anxiety too, it's, it's one of those things that's really easy to
0: kind of pinpoint in other people. You know, <laughs> it, not so much in ourselves. Because yeah. like you say, you're like, I'm stressed or I'm just exhausted or or whatever it is, I just haven't had enough sleep. It's not that I'm really anxious about things and I'm not really worrying. I mean, maybe I'm waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning and having conversations with people that aren't there that I should have had. <laughs> maybe I'm doing that. But do you know what I mean? But in other people, you can go, oh, my God, that behaviour. They're mm. totally so anxious. Yeah. We probably need to take a quick break. Don't we- panic. So we will be back after this. <laughs> of the Wellness Collective, we've just grabbed our little cousin from Podcast <laughs> One, Castan from the Crappy to Happy podcast,
1: talking about anxiety. And you wanted to have a chat I about- I to ask about a panic attack yes. then. Like, mm. you know, we're talking about anxiety and it's a label and, you know, that can be both freeing and um, what's the opposite <laughs> to that? Restricting. Restricting at the same time. But what about a panic attack? Because i don't identify with having many in my life, but I probably can think of three times that I've actually a full blown. fully had a oh, panic attack. hideous.
2: Awful. I Awful. Don't, I don't think I, I've never had a panic attack, but I don't envy you because they're horrendous things, as you would know. But the thing about a panic attack is that they can often just come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And so, and obviously, you know, they are characterised by um Overwhelming kind of anxiety, freezing up, racing heart, of, of often physical pain, um, and I guess I don't know if we know what causes a panic attack, mm. except that, that an accumulation potentially of, all of, of all of the stress and the anxiety until it just comes out. I imagine that panic attacks look different for everybody,
1: though. So, I mean, I know it's a physical thing. I couldn't put a label to what was happening to me until I actually was out of a stressful situation, could actually look at that and go, hang on, hang on, that was a panic attack. Like, I literally had to physically hold my fingernails because it was the only thing that I could find that was small enough to make me concentrate on something that, I don't know, it
2: was the weirdest thing ever. That's interesting that you knew to do that, that you sort of intuitively knew to do that. Well, it
1: brought up something that I used to experience in my childhood a lot, for no reason. I had a really quite a happy, Hmm. easy upbringing. But I remember that feeling. I remember having to do that as a kid, holding yeah, my... Because it used to feel like everything would get so big that I had no control over. Physical, like physically everything felt big and mm. I felt really small. It's weird. But then I, if I knew that if I held my fingernail, it would be fine. And interesting. And so it happened one time recently when I was away from the family and I woke up at two o'clock and I'm like, oh, my goodness. And the only thing I could do was hold my fingernail. <laughs> and Isn't that the, amazing? The <gasps>
2: thing about panic attacks is people often don't identify it as panic and they, because they're so random, and people will present it a emergency, saying, Mm, there's something wrong with me, I think I've had a heart Heart attack. attack. Mm. And then I have all these tests and and it turns out that, no, what you probably had was a panic attack. Mm. And the thing about panic is that because it's so out of nowhere, that then it causes panic about panic. So mm. people then become anxious about having a panic attack and that is the problem. <laughs> Self-fulfilling. So, well, then people become afraid to go to places or to do things or because what if I have a panic attack? Mm. And so the definition of panic disorder is panic about panic. Mm. It's it's not the fact that you had a panic attack. No, it's, it's worrying the fact that, that it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. again. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really, it does come out of nowhere. I guess, yeah. again, we need to talk about these things because it's it's so many people experiencing it in various ways. And then what do we do about that? Mm. If we are experiencing this, you know, in that moment, you can't fix the, in the moment, you have to live through it, right? Yeah, you just have to write it out. You have to write it out. Do you know what, though? I think it is interesting that you say
0: we have to talk about it because I can remember being in a situation where I I probably was a panic attack. I was just overwhelmed and I was in a restaurant and I was like, I just have to get out of here. And I walked out of the restaurant and I stood out the front and I just tried to get my breath. And this woman just walked over to me and she was like, are you okay? Can I get you a drink of water? So clearly she could see that there was something going on, but it was so interesting because I thought she has identified what's happening right now and she knows that Mm. I love the stranger. I love the element of the stranger coming in. uh, Yeah. But it's very common. I think that's the thing. People don't talk about, oh, I had a panic attack last week because it's potentially a sign of weakness or whatever
1: or maybe they think no one cares. What's interesting in that situation too though when there is a stranger involved is often we'll probably be more receptive to Mm -hmm. the stranger than what we would a loved one or someone that actually knows us. the same as when Laura Mooker had said... When she asked, so she surveyed people about their relationships from around the world and people were more likely to give her more information or they'd said they were comfortable to give her information because they were anonymous or that she never knew them as opposed to telling somebody, um, Mm. you know, that you were close to, but probably because you've done something wrong. (laughs) 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 But that was really interesting, I thought. And it's the same thing again. We're often more receptive to somebody who, well, they have no judgment or no idea what's about you. They just know that you're in that situation. I saw a girl walking along the street the other day and she was crying and, as I passed her, I was like, "Oh, it's kind of too late, but what did oh, i I really wanted to go back and say, "Hey, are you okay?" But it was kind of like, "Should I would I do I? what would I want?" Yeah. Like it was just, yeah, it was hard to know what to do, but I think that we probably need to all of us do more of
2: that, reach out to people, yeah, mm. absolutely, you mm. know we're so disconnected, yeah.
1: So
0: what, in your professional opinion, is the best thing for someone that's feeling, yeah, maybe I've got, because I know there's so many online
2: things, apps and courses you can do and that kind of stuff. And it sounds so simplistic, and people dismiss it because it sounds simplistic. But if you are feeling anxious, the first thing you have to do is take slow, deep breaths. Mm. Um, breaths into your all the way into your belly, and a, an extended out breath is the one thing that we know um, activates the parasympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic nervous system is our fight or flight response, and that gets triggered by you know obviously it's primitive. Can't get rid of it. It's it's there for our survival. It's it's essential. It's necessary. But these days in the world we live in, um, it's activated by you know we're no longer afraid of tigers and bears killing us. <laughs> but We're afraid of what, how my performance review is going to go, what that person thinks about me, whether I got any likes on my Instagram post. Um, timely, they've taken the lights off. We talk. About Just that. I want to talk. We'll about get to that. that. One second. Oh yeah, no, you've finished what you got to say. Okay, so. Um, it's triggered by all of these social threats um, and it's also triggered by perceived threat. Whether there is danger that is real or just imagined, our body and brain reacts exactly the same way. Mm. So once the fight or flight uh, response is triggered, we're flooded with all of these hormones, these chemicals, stress chemicals, all the rest of it. And this is what I tell people, that's that's a part of your brain that is very primitive and it will take over and it shuts off access to the higher level parts of your brain that are responsible for thinking critically and problem solving <laughs> and like rational thought. Yeah. So once it's on, you can't think. This is why people go, Ugh, like, I can't even think of a word. Or, I can't even mm-hmm. think of what to do because they once, once yeah. that's activated, there's no accessing rational thought. But if you take slow, deep breaths, it activates the parasympathetic nervous system, which tells your body and your brain that you're out of danger. That fight or flight calms down. Then you can access some more critical thinking. And then you have the capacity to say, well, look, what's going on here? What are the stories I'm telling myself? Because there's always something that's Mm -hmm. going on. So, but you, you can't actually attack the, the, not attack, but you can't actually manage the thought part or the behavior part until you've calmed down your physiology. And I say to people, you can't talk to your physiology with language. You can only talk to your physiology with physiology. Mm. And that is breathing. Mm. So you breathe. Long exhales, slow deep breaths.
0: Thinking about it, being a physical thing is really good too because it takes that kind of emotion away from it. And you know when you have that that moment where something really hits you and you get the cold, like the, what is it, like a rush of cold through your body and you go, oh, my God, that's crazy. And it's physical. Mm. So there's no point in kind of, you know, beating yourself up emotionally
2: about it, really, is there? No. And, you can't. You know, often you can't think your way and you can't talk your way out of it. But if you you can take some slow, deep breaths, that's a really good starting point. Mm. The other thing I do, and anybody who experiences anxiety, I say to them to do this, I used to get my clients, if they were anxious or if I just suspected they were, even if they didn't think (laughs) they were, I would say, I'm just going to set a timer for one minute on my phone and I just want you to to breathe. Just breathe normally and you just count the number of in-breaths, you know, just each time you take an in-breath, you count and I'll, until I tell you to stop. And at the end of a minute I'd say how many breaths did you count? And people would say, "Oh, 24 or 36." Um you think about it, 18. You think about the number of the rapid rate of breathing that is involved in that. So we should normally be taking maybe 12 breaths a minute, mm. you know, 12 to 14 mm. breaths a minute. And so then I say, "Okay, well now let's you just breathe to my count." And I count the actual seconds, in 2 3 Out two three, in. So if you just so in for three, out for three is six. You're going to get ten breaths in a minute. Maths. Um, (laughs) And so suddenly they go from like thirty-two breaths a minute or twenty-four breaths a minute down to ten breaths a minute, and then and everything. And it feels really uncomfortable for people to do that because they don't even realise that they're over breathing and shallow breathing. Then that has the effect of keeping everything calm. And I say just do that three times a day. Just count your breaths three times a day and bring it back to in for three, out for three because what it does is it keeps it down for a while. It'll go back up again Mm -hmm. but it keeps it down for a while and this is why going back to the panic thing, people are walking around taking 32 breaths a minute and don't even realise they're doing that, that they're breathing into the top of their chest bang out of nowhere panic attack what brought that on well i was actually like my body was not even getting any air mm. for all of this time and so my brain's getting this message we're in tu- we're in trouble we're in trouble and then panic That's where attack that comes from um, yeah.
1: can we just quickly yes. talk about this likes on instagram cuz we like to be current <laughs> so i get a message this morning <laughs> well, and it's like oh you know just letting you know this is happening and i was alerted to the fact and I, i'm like <laughs> I won't say this on the record, but now I am. Yeah, you are. I'm like, well, I think this is ridiculous. And <laughs> the person that I was having the conversation said, oh, I think it's wonderful. It's, you know, one way to, to curb bullying and fix this and stop our children from feeling. And I'm like, I feel like we need to be encouraging resilience around this. And I find it very interesting that our like on Facebook, and maybe it's just the way I look at it, a like on Facebook and a like on Instagram really triggers that for people. It does, though. It does. Because people go, I'm not as popular as you, therefore I'm not as valid as you. But then don't we need to look at why? I think that there's other work that needs to be done there. Of course. By doing this is not allowing us to do that work. To me it's just like, all right, well, that's a band-aid, let's just stick that on and now we keep on living our our happy best life. I feel like (laughs) if that's triggering you... You know, I feel like, and I I know we know that doesn't trigger me. So it also comes down to how we see something, but I certainly wouldn't be having a bad day because I got four likes on Instagram and a thousand the next day. I... But maybe but I that's see you. But your brain,
2: you've got yes. an adult brain too, yes. not a 13 or a 14 no, but year old so brain. So don't you
1: think it's important though to have these conversations with our children around it rather than just pretending it doesn't exist? Because if it's showing up on Instagram as a trigger, well, it's going to show up somewhere else.
2: Well, that's true. That's, that's my point. I just want to say too that the interesting thing about taking the likes off Instagram is you can still see your own, you just can't <laughs> see anybody else's. <laughs> yes. So I was like, well, if it's supposed to be removing all of that. Because it's marketed as, well, now you won't be so obsessed with likes, but you'll just share the content you want to share. But I can still see how many likes I get. Right. I so think too there yeah. was also
0: something I heard that where um, there's like a flow-on effect. So if someone goes... I go, oh, I saw Cass like that, so I might like it as oh, well. Is that so? But, I, but
2: you can, we still can still see, see who, who
1: out of your friends. I don't know.
2: Who out of I your just friends? Likes it, I just
1: feel like it's just band-aiding one thing. And I feel like if that's a trigger, we should identify that and go, that triggers me. What does that mean? I probably need to explore what that is and I'll develop a
2: deeper awareness of myself and what I need. I think you're right. But I think that that's a conversation we have to be having anyway. Mm, you know, right. likes or no likes. Totally. I think we I have do. to be talking to our kids in this day and age about that.
1: Yeah. How do we build resilience there?
2: I Yeah, it's true. It's a tricky one. I mean, I had a conversation with uh, Amy Shepard for this um, season of the podcast. She's got her kiss my fat ass, you know, movement going on about body positivity. And we were talking about Instagram and comparison and all of that. And we were talking about the fact that there's 13 year old girls, you're not at this stage yet, but Mm -hmm. my daughter's 13. And, you know, there's girls in her age group posting, um, Inappropriate. Inappropriate. What I would call inappropriate to get likes, just Mm -hmm. to get likes. But this is why I'm saying, but I can still, they can still see their own likes. So if you're going to remove it, Remove it. Yeah, altogether. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. yeah I'm not it is, sure. I don't yeah. know that it's, yeah. Because they can still have the conversation
0: when they say, well, I got 15 likes, yes. well, I got 25. Yeah, they so can. So then it becomes one where you can make it up anyway, I suppose, mm. too. Mm. Yeah.
1: Total, totally. I got more than
0: you. No, you didn't. Well, yes, I did and you can't see. <laughs>
1: So that's you gonna turn take it on the My its word head. for it. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes.
0: Well, just there you before go. we go, there was one more thing I wanted to talk to you about that was a bit topical, and that's this idea of soft skills being lost. There was an article I read in the paper a little while ago about how, when employers are looking to employ graduates, there's this real lack of soft skills, is what they're calling it, and. Like all of a sudden, like you say, there's this big hole in what we're teaching people before they go out into the world. And it's the kind of stuff
2: like interpersonal skills. It's basically... It's interesting, isn't it? I'm not aware of that. I, I wasn't aware of that, but I can only imagine that that would probably be a side effect of the all of the communicating that we do online. We don't connect with people face to face anymore. You know, people these days struggle to maintain eye contact and it's because they're more used to looking at their phone than looking into somebody's eyes when they have a conversation. Yeah. And you know, you sometimes notice that when you talk to people that they, mm. they lose eye contact much more quickly than they used to. Um, And yeah, I think that there's, I'm guessing, I'm making that up, but Mm. I'm guessing that this ability to have a conversation and manage relationships and conflict resolution and all of that sort of stuff that is required, these are the soft skills that we require, are potentially being lost, I guess. Mm.
0: And even stuff like teaching them to have a positive attitude and to be friendly to other people in the office. And I'm like, surely that's not something that people don't understand when they work in a workplace
2: where there are other people. Like you can't just walk in and... <laughs> well, surely they're learning. I would have thought. I mean, my daughter's only just recently started high school. She's in grade eight now, but there's a lot of, you know, group work and, oh, yeah. and having to... And managing relationships and all of that sort of stuff.
0: Mm, yeah. It's very interesting. Oh, we'll have to look into it a little bit more. Maybe we need to do some soft skill um, training through the <laughs> Wellness Collective. Be nice to each other. I think just going out of your way to say something nice to people... Is yes, something we could all do we a bit talking more about of this
1: before we started recording? Even yeah. like, oh, how can I help you, or what do you need? I say that often to people, like, how can I support you, or what? Mm. And people often are like, oh, what, what, what's, what's in it for you? I'm like, oh, nothing. I was just actually <laughs> asking a question, you know? Yeah, yeah. I did it th- th- as a joke. I sometimes go to people, oh, what do you need? Oh, I'm, str- I'm going to relaunch my podcast when I get you know this many followers or whatever. I'm like, oh, let's just get you there. Let's put, put a shout out. And I've done it a few times lately, and they're like. Now what do you need back? And I'm like nothing. I was just that was an ask and it was kind of fun, and that was it. I don't want anything. I don't need anything. But if I do need something, I know that you know one day I'll probably could ask you. Yeah. But I think that you're right. I, how can we do that? It's one of the things that I've learned from spending time with my my mastermind group is asking that question, like how can I support you, or mm. you know what do you need? We don't do that much. It's all about us. It's like well, hang on. how can I support you? What what do you need? How can I help you? Mm.
0: Look mm. outward because you actually get a lot from helping other people. Absolutely. You Like do. you feel good about your existence. Yes. Yes, you yes. do. It's not just about connected. Know, doing your own dishes. And, and it's about being connected.
2: Connected, yeah. exactly. And doing something for others is as beneficial. Science proves it. It's as beneficial to our well-being as to the person who we're doing something mm. for. In fact, I can tell you a study about that. You've probably heard it anyway. But when they, you know, they give people $20 mm. and they tell them you can either go and spend it. One group says you can go and spend your 20 bucks on yourself and the other group gets to go and spend their 20 bucks on somebody else and the people who spend the 20 bucks on somebody else actually report greater levels of um well-being and feeling good and feeling happy and yeah. all of the rest of it people would rather do something nice for somebody else. It's so interesting, it's isn't incredible. it? It's incredible.
0: Actually, I'm glad you said that because for a while there, um, I was doing that. When I did the shopping, I'd buy some food for the Asylum Seekers Resource oh, Centre. For you, I would spend ten dollars, right, yeah. on food for them, and I'd be like, right, what can I get for my ten dollars? Get like three or four packets of pasta, a couple of cans of tomatoes, a couple of bags of lentils. I'm like. Ten bucks, well spent. That was so much more enjoyable than spending the hundred and eighty dollars or whatever on the groceries no, for no my no family. Doubt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No doubt. But then I decided to give the money directly to them because that was probably more more useful. But yeah, it's it's amazing. You don't have to do much to actually to feel good. Yeah, to feel good. Yeah yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Totally kill
0: your anxiety. Do we need to let you go? Me, yes. I'm a patient
1: now. Oh.
2: <laughs> this has been go. fun. Thank,
1: Thank you, you guys so for much. having me. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been great. And it's been a pleasure. everyone needs to go and, once they've listened to this, go over and now listen to Crappy to Happy and, <laughs> Keep, keep it it all in the happy. family. Not keep happy people. to crappy. Don't get it round no. the wrong way. No. I people I get, it, people
2: get it round the wrong way all <laughs> the time. Um, yes, and also listen to our conversation on the Crappy yes. to Happy podcast, great. Nat.
0: Can't wait. Thank oh, you so much. We can overdose. Until next time, you know where to find us. Go to our Instagram, Collective The Wellness.
1: Leave us a little message. Just five stars on um, Apple Podcasts would be great. That would be fantastic. Yes, and if you haven't already downloaded
0: it, there is a new podcast, One Australia app, which is very shiny and bright and new and spunky. So go and check that out. Totally.
1: Until next time. We hope this podcast has left you feeling happier. Healthier. And better. Ciao. Bye. Bye.